a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Lily Lu. Well, here are headlines we're tracking at the hour. Strengthening supervision, China suspends loans of restricted shares effective today in its latest move to protect investor interests. Entering a visa-free era, China and Thailand have signed a bilateral visa exemption agreement during Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to Thailand. And as China and France celebrate 60 years of diplomatic ties, this year we zoom in on the prospects for strengthening economic and trade ties between the two nations. And we start by taking a look at the latest, latest industrial data released by the National Bureau of Statistics. The total profit of industrial enterprises above designated size reached 7.7 .7 trillion yuan in 2023, while the profits for the third quarter rose by 7.7% and fourth quarter by 16.2%. In December last year alone, the profits of industrial enterprises above designated size increased by 16.8% on the year, while the sector has been expanding for five consecutive months in terms of monthly growth rate since August last year. Analysts say that recovering growth momentum is mainly thanks to improved domestic demand and the cultivation of new growth drivers. As China pursues high-quality development, the global manufacturing powerhouse expects to cultivate an upgraded manufacturing sector, complete with advanced technologies to boost productivity and drive economic growth. Many companies have already applied artificial intelligence to meet the growing needs of consumers. Lei Shiran has more. At this factory on the outskirts of Shanghai, automotive machines are churning out and packaging dairy products. Covering over 150,000 square meters, this factory can produce over 600,000 tons of dairy products every year. With a combination of AI technology and robots, factory bosses say they only need around 10 people to manage production. And it's not just about reducing operational cost and increasing production capacity. Our core production lines, including pre-processing and filling, are almost fully automated. We are using a smart logistics system as well. That helps us improve food safety, as we now have smart systems to do temperature inspections and adjustments at every stages. Also, we can collect a large amount of data through sensor technology and store it in our database. By analyzing the data, we can ensure the smooth operation of the factory. And with Shanghai promoting the digital transformation of its manufacturing industry, this kind of factory is just what the city hopes to see more of. Earlier this month, the Shanghai municipal government announced 200 more smart factories are expected to be built in the city by 2025, of which 20 will be graded as top level. Industrial robots can help us deal with the potential labor shortage in the manufacturing sector. So it's important to build those smart factories and to further promote the development of Shanghai's three major industries by 2025, namely integrated circuits, biomedicine, and artificial intelligence. We need to develop those intelligent manufacturing solutions. Also, to develop smart manufacturing, experts say the government should expand its toolbox of supportive policies for small and medium-sized companies. 
Official data showed that by the end of 2023, more than 70% of the city's industrial enterprises with an annual revenue of 20 million yuan or above have conducted intelligent factory evaluation. And the robot density in Shanghai's key industries currently stands at 383 per 10,000 workers. Lei Shuran, ICS for CGTN, Shanghai. And to better understand China's industrial performance, we're now joined by Mr. Liu Baochun, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics at the University of International Business and Economics. Mr. Liu, always great to have you on the show.、Um, so let's zoom in on the latest numbers. That is industrial profit data for enterprises that are above designated size, and that sector actually has been expanding for five months in a row. That is in terms of month-on-month growth rate. So what are the main drivers behind this growth? Well, fundamentally, China enjoys the most sophisticated industrial、uh, stru- structure, and it is、uh, there to、uh, weather all type of、uh, headwinds. So, apart from that, the introduction of、uh, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, does really help them to reduce their cost and also to provide more accuracy in their productivity and、uh, customer service. So the other one is that、uh, Chinese government has been、uh, issuing a slow support、uh, to encourage more of the finance and capital that can be channeled into the Chinese real economy, where the、uh, industrial sector benefit a great deal. And we can see that、uh, the high level of manufacturing in terms of complete equipments,、uh, the uh, civil aviation aircrafts, and uh, uh, telecommunication. Has enjoyed a robust growth, and among which the、uh, e-vehicles does really have a stellar performance that can really、uh, provide quite a happy surprise to the Chinese economic growth. And also, we know that domestic demand is now at the core of China's economic planning this year. What policies or incentives do you think that we can expect to see that will help to boost demand and, in the meantime, bolster businesses? Well, I think now the government、uh, is m- more shifting its paradigm merely by providing incentives、uh, to consume into more of the balancing the supply side with the demand side,、uh, where one is that they issued a number of measures to encourage the supply side to cater to the uh, real uh, demand side、uh, for consumers' goods and services, and the other is that.、Uh, The confidence is really gained by、uh, stabilizing the、uh, CPI, the、uh, inflation rate. As a matter of fact, that、uh, last year there was really a minimum increase, and、uh, even at the tip of that year, we had a negative growth of the inflation rate. So this gave more confidence for the consumers, and、uh, I think more、uh, decisively, it's the、uh, confidence in the. Uh, a regular income that people can really enjoy by having stable jobs and by having a, a, a brighter prospect for their employment. And then,、uh, lastly, I think the social welfare belt is also there to be strengthened in order to alleviate people's concern,、uh, so that、uh, they are able to open their pocket and spend、uh, more money on their own consumption and also contribute to the、uh, Chinese GDP growth. Well, great insights. Thank you so much, Mr. Liu. But please do stay with us for further discussions down the show. 
China's regulators are strengthening supervision of margin lending business. The China Securities Regulatory Commission said today it will suspend loans of restricted shares to further prioritize protecting the legitimate interests of investors, especially the small ones. It also set a new rule to restrict the margin lending efficiency. The regulator says the new rule goes into effect today. It says the adjustment is to better improve market stability and high-quality development. After the announcement, the Shanghai and Shenzhen stock exchanges followed suit and released a notice to investors. Well, according to some analysts, China's stocks are becoming increasingly enticing to global investors, especially during the past week. Nearly 12 billion U.S. dollars were allocated to Chinese shares from January the 24th to the 26th. That is, according to a Bank of America analyst. The analyst said it is the second highest weekly tally ever and accounted for almost all of the record 12.1 billion dollars in funds that rushed into emerging market equities. And other global investors like Bridgewater Associates said it was moderately bullish on Chinese equities, while Goldman Sachs expressed optimism about the Chinese stock market. Let's get more analysis on China's financial sector, and let's bring in Wang Jinghui, General Manager of R&D at Capital Securities. Mr. Wang, so first of all, uh, the CSRC said today it will start you know, to suspend loans of re uh, restricted shares. What does this mean for investors in the long run? Well, the uh, CRCRC has just sent a clear and strong message that the authority would do everything to protect the stability of the market, and it won't tolerate anyone to take to, to, to take vicious uh, advantages of the uh, loopholes in the regulations. And the future super market supervision, I think, would become more tightened up, and the investors may need some time to digest and to adapt to the new change. Since the policy measure would uh, uh, negatively affect the uh, valuation of the restricted shares, uh, they, they might hesitate a little when deciding whether or not to participate the, the uh, primary market activities such as IPO or seasoned stock issuance. Back to you, Lily. Well, Ms. Ron, as you said, when we look at the market reactions today, you talk about how investors will need some time to digest that news. And uh, how long do you think that period would be? What would be your outlook for the market? Well, I think it, it, it could take a while. Uh, so, so far, as we, can, uh, as we have seen, the market's reaction seems to be a little more confused and uh, uh, cautious mm -hmm. since the uh, the stock lending business only accounts for 0.12% to 0.2% of the total market float. So the, uh, therefore, we, we can see the uh, industry segment, of, uh, which is uh, more often involved in the sh shares lending, such as the uh, electronics, electric e equipment, or computer and media services, so have been hit harder than other segments and they dropped by 3.1 to 4.3%. So this wound may take, uh, I, I think, at least several trading days to heal. Mm -hmm. Back to you, Lily. And also, uh, what do you think we can expect next in terms of supervision and policies that uh, prioritize protecting the interests of investors? Well, I think the current priority uh, would be the rebalance of the supply and demand in the uh, stock, uh, stock uh, market. So as we all know, the uh, development of the, of the stock market depends on the overall economy, and the growth of the market scale should also match that the 
uh, of the economy. Between 2013 and 18, uh, the uh, GDP, when GDP grow by seven to eight percent, the new IPO listings reached uh, 1,000. So, uh, but however, in the last five years, we got 1,600 new IPOs when the economy slowed down to 5%, not to mention the three years pandemic damages. So this issue, I think, must be in, uh, addressed immediately. Back to you, Lily. Oh, great stuff. Thank you very much, Mr. Wang Jianhui, General Manager of R&D Capital Securities for us. And still to come here on Global Business. Entering the visa-free era, China and Thailand signed a bilateral visa exemption agreement during Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to Thailand, and we check out the economic impact of the deal. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN. The Chinese embassy in Nauru has been reopened. A ceremony marking the new chapter in relations was held at the country's Manan Hotel. Earlier this morning, Chinese diplomats held a national flag-raising ceremony in Nauru for the first time in nearly 19 years in the Pacific Island country. Nauru's government announced on the 15th of January that it was severing the so-called diplomatic relations with Taiwan authorities and recognizing the People's Republic of China. On the 24th, China and Nauru signed a joint communique in Beijing to resume diplomatic relations at the ambassadorial level. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi is in Thailand for an official visit. Earlier this morning, Wang met with Thai Prime Minister Stara Tavinsin, and on Sunday in Bangkok, Wang Yi and his Thai counterpart signed a bilateral visa-free agreement, which will take effect from the 1st of March. Besides people-to-people -people exchanges, economic ties between China and Thailand are also very close. Data from China's Customs Authority shows that bilateral trade totaled 126 billion U.S. dollars in 2023, a slight decrease from the 133 billion recorded in 2022. Breaking down the numbers, China's exports to Thailand stood at 76 billion U.S. dollars, while imports from Thailand hit 50 billion U.S. dollars. Trade between China and Thailand has a strong complementary. China imports raw materials such as rubber and plant products from Thailand and exports industrial products like textiles, base metals and related products. China is also a major source of foreign direct investment for Thailand. Data from the Thailand Board of Investment shows China's investments in Thailand amounted to 62 billion baht or about 1.7 billion US dollars for the first six months of last year, accounting for 20% in the country's total FDI. It's not just Thailand. China has waived visa requirements for visitors from a number of countries in recent months. On November the 24th, China's foreign ministry announced a one-year trial visa-free policy for France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain and Malaysia. The policy took effect on the 1st of December. Two days later, on November 26th, Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim announced a visa-free policy for Chinese citizens, which also became effective on December the 1st. 
In January, during Premier Li's visit to Switzerland and Ireland, Chan announced a visa-free policy for citizens for those two countries. And on January the 25th, Chan and Singapore reached an agreement on granting visa-free entry for each other's citizens for stays of up to 30 days. And now for more discussions on China-Thailand cooperation, let's bring back Mr. Liu Baochen, who is Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics of UIBE. Mr. Liu, so China and Thailand agreed to introduce permanent visa-free policy. What economic impact is this likely to have? Well, the immediate beneficiary is the tourism sector, which was really hot hit by the uh, pandemic. And now the 18% of the uh, contribution is provided to the GDP of Thailand from tourism. Uh, in which the Chinese tourist takes a lion's share. So uh, the uh, re uh, re uh, reduction of uh, the cost uh, in both in uh, time and money-wise uh, by having a, a visa-free arrangement uh, is really quite an incentive for Chinese tourists to resume their uh, enthusiasm to uh, have tour in Thailand. But uh, having said that, that's really more of a, a technical support but uh, uh, the ultimate determinant is the, uh, whether they really are there to prov provide the quality uh, type of service for Chinese uh, tourists who can really open their wallet and spend more and stay longer period of time. And they do have a very strong uh, and ambitious plan to boost their tourist industry. Uh, over the next five years and in which China can really collaborate a great deal. But of course, in, a, uh, in addition to the tourism, uh, all the other sectors, by having more of the people traveling uh, free of uh, worry of uh, uh, visa denial, etc., uh, that can also boost the trade ties and also people-to-people -people exchange. And uh, we do hope that uh, there can be more of the uh, visa free for some of the work permit and also for uh, the other type of collaborations in which people can really have a longer stay and also legal status for work uh, in, on a bilateral basis. And also, uh, Mr. Liu, with the, uh, this visa-free arrangement, we would expect to see a big increase in the number of tourists. But other than that, what sort of new investment opportunities will this merge for businesses of the two countries? Actually, over the uh, years, we see that uh, the China and Thailand economic cooperation has been uh, very strong and also very steady. So the uh, trade has really uh, broken the hallmark of uh, 130, uh, 130 uh, billion US dollars. And there was a slight dwindle last year, but uh, uh, the momentum is still very strong. And then the collaboration in the investment for industrial parks is also giving a lot more promise for Chinese uh, companies over there. The uh, infrastructure building is still the mainstay. Uh, right now, actually, people benefit a great deal uh, from the uh, ease of transportation. And now the high-speed rail is under a very uh, active construction. Then the collaboration on the uh, new technologies like uh, uh, the digital uh, technology, the uh, new energy uh, developments are also on the uh, uh, very hot spot for uh, both of the countries. So uh, uh, then uh, on the people's side, in terms of medical services, in terms of the uh, tourism, education and training programs, uh, we are all really are there to have a a uh, brighter prospect that uh, we can really work with. 
And also, Mr. Liu, how do you think uh, joining the, has the uh, joining the RCEP or the RECP impacted Thailand's economic development? Well, immediately, it's the tariff uh, reduction and also facilitation of uh, the customs clearance procedures, streamlining of those uh, sanitary and phytosanitary uh, inspection, uh, the uh, approaches, etc. That can really give a lot more push for uh, the uh, uh, business circles to engage with each other. So within RCEP, actually, uh, we have reduced more than the actually we have waived more than 95 uh, percent of the uh, tariff uh, over the Thailand products. And now uh, we are also seeking to deepen uh, the facilitation program by opening more of the, uh, for example, the cement industry, the uh, uh, the aquatic products, and also uh, in the car parts uh, manufacturer, okay. et cetera. So mm -hmm. that does really give a lot of uh, uh, you know cost reduction and also a lot of ease for people to engage with each other uh, in investment and also in trade. Uh, great insights. Thank you very much, Mr. Liu Baochun from UIBE for us, as always. We have this when we come back. China and France celebrate 60 years of diplomatic relations this year, and we zoom in on the prospects for strengthening economic and trade ties between the two nations. We are all connected across borders, across continents, connected by ideas, a shared humanity. Stay connected. marks the 60th anniversary of diplomatic ties between China and France. Over the past 60 years, bilateral trade has jumped nearly 800-fold, from $100 million in 1964 to $79 billion last year. Wine, cheese, cosmetics, solar power and aircraft are some of the most successful trade categories. And for example, French aviation giant Boeing well, now uh, has over half of China's civil aircraft market. And according to the company, China has been uh, the company's largest single overseas market since 2006. And uh, the two countries also act as major investment and job generators for each other. In 2023, French investment in China surged 84%, despite a slowdown in global FDI. Well, as we talked about how China and France celebrate 60 years of diplomatic ties, we know that relationship between the two countries has benefited both nations and the world as a whole. Well, Ispen, a French biopharmaceutical company, which was one of the early foreign enterprises to enter the Chinese market, the company has become firmly established in China since 1992 and witnessed strengthening China-French ties. Our reporter Wang Tianyu re recently talked to Golemin Delmote, the general manager of Eastman China, to get his insights on the two countries' economic and business relations. Actually, we highly value the cooperation and the communication between our both countries. We have, both of us, a rich resource, technology, and a real huge culture. And I think so that this collaboration can enhance uh, innovations and accelerate uh, uh, the time to market of our product and also increase the access of this product uh, to the Chinese patients. 
So first, uh, by uh, sharing and cooperating together on technologies and resources, a company can improve their R&D efficiency, uh, reduce the cost, and also, more importantly, accelerate time to market for new products. And I think, uh, definitely, that this industry cooperations and communication generate a lot of spillover impact. Uh, firstly, by this collaboration, promote and, uh, and share our technology and knowledge so we can improve the overall uh, technology level. We increase uh, the quality and the level and expertise of the whole industry. And I uh, strongly believe that this collaboration can promote economic connections and cooperation between countries and drive the globalization of this uh, industry. You know, this year marks the 60th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between China and France. So what are your expectations for the future development of the cooperation between Chinese and French enterprises? I am uh, very confident. Uh, I have a high expectation uh, for the future development of uh, Sino-France uh, business cooperation. Uh, the 60th uh, anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between France and China is an important milestone. Uh, and it's also an opportunity to further deepening our bilateral relations. I hope that uh, China and France will strengthen their cooperation in our area of excellence and also uh, take into account our worldwide challenges. Second, we wish that China and France to lead the field of environmental protection and sustainable development. Uh, our both countries attach a great importance uh, to the climate change challenge and our health. Thirdly, uh, I really believe that we can uh, reinforce our exchange on education, uh, culture, or tourism. Our uh, countries have a very rich culture or tourism opportunities. Uh, and I strongly believe that this exchange will co-promote, promote the understanding, the mutual understanding and friendship between us. Uh, so to conclude, for me, it's a really a great opportunity to enhance our relationship together. And on the 60th anniversary of the establishment of Sino-French diplomatic relations, collaboration between the two nations in the field of future industries, and those include AI, biotechnology, new energy, intelligent manufacturing, that they are all going to be posed to deepen further. And on Sunday, representatives from dozens of enterprises located in Beijing economic technological development era discussed new opportunities for enterprises from both countries to invest in future industries. Let's take a listen. We currently have 23 factories in China with over 1,600 suppliers. Many of these enterprises are specialized and sophisticated enterprises known as little giants. The innovative ecosystem and talent environment here are also crucial safeguards for new technology development. We entered the French market in 2008, allocating 10% of our annual revenue for research and development. 20% of our patents come from overseas markets. We have collaborated with local insurance companies in France to install numerous automated external defibrillators on the streets of Paris and more. We see France as a central hub for marketing for the entire European region.